Hi, everybody. Welcome to Jubilee. Glad that you can join us this weekend. Um, as we head into this week uh, leading up to Good Friday and then Easter weekend, we've been talking about what the plan would be. And as I have sort of hinted to you, uh, because we're unable to meet together in a large group right now, we felt like um, that we would reserve the celebration, not Easter, but we would reserve the celebration for when we can all get back together again. And by the way, I just want to tell you how, <laughs> it, what is the right word? Anticipation? Uh, it's beyond that. Um, like chomping at the bit, uh, trying to bolt out of the gate to be together with you again is something that I, um, I'm cherishing that thought. It's giving me hope and encouragement to keep pushing forward and aiming towards, towards that thing. I hope you feel the same way. I cannot wait to be together face-to-face uh, -to -face again, to celebrate, to, to cheer, uh, to recognize that we've come through this time and that, uh, that, that, that our Jesus is King and Lord and, and makes us more than conquerors. So what will we do, though, for Easter? Um, here's, we want to do something special to recognize that uh, it's impossible for us to join together face-to-face, uh, -face, but we know that where the Spirit of the Lord is, um, we're present. He, it's, even though there's distance physically, there's none in the Spirit. So we thought we would recognize Easter this time by doing something special with the worship, and we're going to do it as though we were sitting in your living room. And I'll give, uh, well, I won't give any more details than that. Maybe that entices you a little bit uh, to, to uh, you know, to look forward to it. But I do want to encourage you this. Invite people uh, to participate. Last weekend, we had almost 10,000 uh, people stream uh, and watch online um, the message. And it's just amazing right now how that's multiplying. And for Easter, I, I mean, who knows what God can do with it. But invite people to participate in it, to uh, let them know uh, the when and the where. We're, we've got many more opportunities to watch next weekend just to make it um, easier for people and to give more and more on-ramps. So you can check uh, on the website for that. It'll come out in the newsletter too. Um, but we're going to do sort of a, um, a little bit different in recognition that we can't be there, but we wish we were. So we're going to do it as though we were in your living room holding Easter services right there. And you'll see what I mean by that. I think that you will really enjoy it. And then we'll save the big celebration from when we can all get back together. Uh, but this weekend, let, let's go ahead and, and do this. Uh, depending on how you're watching right now, whether uh, if you're on Facebook Live or if you're doing this through the website, jfc.org, and you're streaming it, you have the opportunity in the comment section to do me a favor. So will you do this right now? In the comment section, would you put your name and where you're watching this from. And then I would also encourage you that as you watch all the different comments and all the different uh, people, and if you recognize someone or uh, something connects you as people are talking, uh, respond so that you are not just observing, but you're participating. Our participation in the Word of God and in the message right now, I think is critical to take away the distance and the isolation that we feel. And especially if you're... Um, if you are watching this in isolation by yourself, so much more important that you participate right now so that you feel connected. We love you. We want you to, to be a part of what God is doing. 
Um, yeah, I, I just want to encourage you with that right there. So uh, the name of our series uh, through this time up until Easter, we've called it Unshakable, and we've used this scripture to be our text and our foundational uh, scripture. It's Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 27, 28, and 29. Um, these are the three verses sort of that uh, have, have encapsulated what we feel like God is doing during this time. Uh, and this is what it says. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring, consuming, or awesome fire. And the idea right there is that what we see happening and what is going on right now, beyond the obvious that we're dealing with coronavirus, is that things in our world are being shaken right now. And it is proving again that things that are not eternal, that are not built on the right foundation, that when they shake, they can crumble. And to be honest with you, I know some of us feel as though uh, I can't take much more. To be perfectly honest with you, the benefit of living in modern times with modern medicine and modern conveniences is that had we gone through this 500 years ago, like people did go through this 500 years ago, it would have been far more difficult for people to try to navigate. Uh, as difficult as it feels right now, believe me, we, we really do have it much better than past people and past ages have in dealing with this. My point simply is, in, regardless of when and how, even if we can be a little more comfortable while dealing with it, what we're seeing is that things that can shake are shaking. The shaking is causing them to fall down. And what remains are the things that cannot be shaken. And God's point, God's idea, God's purpose in that is to give us a kingdom that cannot be shaken, meaning that we can build on this rock something that will last through eternity. And I want to encourage you to remember the story that Jesus taught about the people who built on sand, built on the rock. Everybody suffered the storm, but those who built on the rock, what they built remained. Those who built on the sand, uh, what they had built and given their lives to came down. Jesus even used the word with a mighty crash. That's what we see happening right now. So I encourage you as you listen to this, remember, build on the rock. And the rock is it's Jesus, all right? So uh, Hebrews 12, 27 tells us we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's why we're calling it unshakable. I looked this week for a definition in the dictionary of what unshakable means. And Webster's dictionary uh, said, it's pretty obvious, but it says that unshakable means not possible to weaken. Not possible to weaken. Wouldn't you love to live your life, uh, build your family, build your, your work, build your future, build, build your life on things that cannot be weakened when stuff around us is weakened. And that's what God offers us, the opportunity to build on something that can't be weakened. Okay, uh, if you are doing the notes online and you want to fill in the blanks, the first one right here is I'm going to talk this weekend about faith 
that cannot be shaken. So God's giving us a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Things that can be shaken are falling away. The things that remain cannot be shaken. So how about faith that cannot be shaken? And that really, in my mind, that's the point of faith anyway. But I wonder how many people's faith right now is being shaken, uh, and it's all going to shake. But I, I guess how many people's faith that's being shaken right now is, is crumbling? Because now is the time where we find out whether or not we were building on the right things, whether we were trusting in the right things. And I don't mean that in a harsh way. I don't mean that in an ugly way. I mean that straight up, that it, this is not a hopeless message. It's a hopeful message so that if you haven't been building on the right things, it's not too late. You can do it now. And if you have been building on the right things, now's the time to double down, man. Now's the time to, to put your trust in God. Don't, don't hold back. Don't hoard. Don't, don't, uh, don't go inward. Go outward with God right now. Trust the Lord and move forward. So faith that cannot be shaken. So I, I wrote this in my notes, uh, this question. Think about this. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe it's something for after the message uh, in the message groups that you might want to talk about. Is it possible, in your mind, is it possible to have two opposing views at the exact same time? So is it possible to have two opposing views, to be contrarian uh, in your thinking at the exact same time? Uh, and for those of you who, uh, the answer should be pretty easy if you are at all self-aware. Uh, human beings have the capacity to hold two opposing views at the exact same time. It's, it's an amazing thought. Here's, here's my point though. Uh, while we can hold two opposing views, and I'll prove to you it is possible, but while we can have two opposing views, here, here's the point. The one that you make bigger in your life is the one that's going to win. Do you get that? The one that you make bigger. So if you, if you are wrestling with two opposing views, like, okay, I have hope, and we're going to come out of this, and we're, the best days are in front of us, not behind us, or at the same time, I've got fear, I don't know what's going to happen, it could all crumble. We can have both of those things going on at the same time. The one that you make bigger is the one that'll win. It's the one that'll win. So you've got to determine right now, okay, what do I believe? So let me prove to you from scripture that it's entirely possible to have uh, two opposing views at the same time. Uh, Jesus uh, had, had a, uh, an illustration, it was an actual story, so, so not a, a, uh, an illustration made up in order to illustrate a point. It was an actual story. He and a few of the disciples had gone to the Mount of Transfiguration. While on the Mount of Transfiguration, a man who had a son who was um, harassed and, and possessed by demonic spirits, and it was a spirit of suicide, because this spirit would take this young boy and throw him in the water or throw him into the fire trying to kill him. That's what the Bible says. This is from Mark's gospel, by the way. Um, and so the father of that young boy who had this suicidal spirit brings the boy to the disciples because the word and the fame of Jesus dealing with the demonic and being able to overcome, to tear down the devil's kingdom, uh, has, has gone out far and wide. So this father who loves his son brings his son to the disciples, actually to Jesus, Jesus is on top of the Mount of Transfiguration while the rest of the disciples are down at the bottom. The man brings his son to the disciples. Jesus is up. They're, they're down here. Um, and he tells the disciples, my son has this, this spirit that uh, is trying to kill him. Please cast it out. The disciples try and are unable to do it. And at that time, Jesus comes down the mountain, 
what's going on? He asks, uh, using modern vernacular. Uh, the disciples say, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to tell the story. And the man interrupts and says, I brought my son to your disciples to cast out the demon. And they were unable to do so. And Jesus just goes, how long will I have to put up with this lack of faith? And he just instantly delivers the kid from this demonic spirit. And then he also says, and this is another message for sometimes, he casts out the demonic, but then he says, and you can never come back again. So I, I just, it was a thing that I saw this week. It's one thing to deal with the demonic, to push it out, but it's another then to set up the kingdom of God so that it can't come back in. What a, what a good point. But my, my, my idea right now is that the father says to Jesus, if you can cast this out. And Jesus says to the dad, if I can, uh, where's your faith right now? Why don't you believe? And the man says this. It's one of the more remarkable statements of honesty, sincerity, and clarity in the scripture. He says, I do believe, but help my unbelief. So think about that. I do believe, but I also have unbelief. So he's acknowledging that he has two contrary viewpoints that he struggles with. How about you? Do you have faith? And then yet at time, doubt tries to come in. Sure, that's the human experience. Which one you make bigger wins the battle. What this father did was make the fact that he believes that Jesus can do all things. In fact, Jesus said, all things are possible for him who believes. That's faith that cannot be shaken. That's what we're talking about right now. So I do believe, Mark 9, 24, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. So let me give you these three things that have to do with unshakable faith, what it looks like, how it enters our life, what God wants to do with it. The first one is, if you want to fill it in, the faith of a child. Not the faith of a pastor, not the faith of a church, not the faith of a faith, uh, the faith of a child. Why would God use that simple analogy to describe what unshakable faith looks like. Because um, children have that ability that when their parents say something, when they're, <laughs> before they hit that age where they, they question everything that you say, when they're at that age where you say it, they just believe it and it settles the issue, doesn't it? You say it, settles the issue. I've got a great illustration I'll, I'll show you. But first, let me, let me read this to you. Uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 17 Jesus talking to, uh, to people struggling with the issue of uh, faith and, and uh, unbelief. He says this to you. I tell you the truth. Uh, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. So Jesus just plainly speaking, unless you come into the kingdom like a little child, unless you receive it and believe it like a little child does, you won't enter the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Is it heaven? Some people think the kingdom of God is heaven. Certainly that's an idea of the kingdom of God. But according to uh, the Bible, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy. So let me, let me connect the dots for you real quickly. Jesus is saying, unless you have the unshakable faith, like a child that just simply, when God says it, that settles the issue for you, you're going to have trouble coming into 
righteousness, peace, and joy. You'll struggle with those three things. Righteousness is just right standing with God. Uh, peace, obviously, just, just the peace of God that transcends all understanding. And joy. So we need more joy right now, right? And so here's what Jesus is saying. Unless you have the unshakable faith to come like a little child and just believe God. Settle the issue because God said it. Not because the media said it. Not because your, your, your spouse said it. Not because your friends are talking about it. Not because whatever. If God said it, that settles the issue for you. If you can do that, then you can come easily into righteousness, peace, and joy. And if you can't, Jesus himself taught you'll struggle coming into that place right there. What a promise that is to have those things. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God, like a child, will never enter into it. So let me give you a, a, an illustration of this that I think fits perfectly with the idea of how a child's faith can be just so solid and can teach us a lesson. Uh, one of my grandsons um, <clears throat> came to our house, uh, you know, when it was still permissible for everybody to be together and um, brought a toy with him. And this, this is the toy. Watch this, this toy. Look at, I just, I thought if the message doesn't go good, I'll just put this up and entertain you in the meantime. So here's, here's what he did. He, he was spinning this. He pointed it at me and he says, boom, Papa, you have coronavirus. And I, I was like, I don't want coronavirus. Um, and he, he, he obviously saw the shocked look on my face. So he came over close to me and he goes, boom, you're healed of coronavirus. And it was just, you know, it was funny, but it was also um, in my mind, I realized that here a little boy is having to deal with something that I wish he didn't have any knowledge about. And maybe there's a message in, in that idea that um, talking to our children at the level they are is probably a wise thing so that you can push the fear out and settle the issue. And so here's, here's what happened. You know, he, he does this and I said to him, it was Ezra. And I said to Ezra, I said, um, Ezra, are you worried about the coronavirus? And this is his exact answer. He said, nope, kids can't get it. And I said, why do you think that? And he said, because my mom and dad told me so. And then he turned around and he was off on to the next thing. And I, so listen real quickly. Just the very idea that his parents said to him, you're safe and you're okay and everything's gonna be okay. And in his mind, it settled the issue right there. Now, I recognize, we recognize, of course, children can get it. That's not the point. A little boy does not need to be worrying about that, right? And our father doesn't withhold things from us, but he does tell us, fear not. He does tell us, in the world, you will have trouble or storms, but fear not, I've overcome those things. All through the Bible, almost every book of the Bible, has these words in some form. Fear not. Uh, be strong. Be courageous. Uh, God has not given you a spirit of fear. Over and over and over again, our Father, who is so good to us, is telling us, trust me, give yourself to me, settle the issue. And when you can settle the issue, 
when, when you can have faith like a little child, then Jesus said, you, you walk in righteousness, peace, and joy, and you have this place in the middle of the storm. When Jesus said that, uh, th that the Father sets a table in the presence of our enemies, what does he mean by that? It means that in the presence of all the storm around us, God can create a place where we can go into and have peace and joy and righteousness and be okay. We can be okay, folks. And that's the promise of God. And I, so I know the contrarian mind goes, okay, yes, okay, yes, I believe that, but, but there's all, what about, I get it. That's the proof that we can be contrarian. The one that you make bigger wins. So which one is going to be bigger? Which one is going to win in your life? Because right now, what you're building on, a rock or sand, is determining your future. It's determining your future right now. And you have a choice in this. This is not, you are not a victim. Even though things are happening around you, you didn't cause them, you don't want them, you feel powerless to do anything about them, you do not have to simply allow this thing to destroy you. You can build on a rock. Uh, the second one, the gift of a sound mind. Think of those words right there. The gift of a sound, not the promise of a sound mind, the gift of a sound mind, meaning that to have a sound mind is a gift uh, from God. Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Listen to this, guys. Uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It's almost identical to the kingdom of God being righteousness, peace, and joy. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So um, my illustration, and I taught on this recently, if you remember, those who, who were here um, when I was teaching on this, I, I taught about uh, the man who um, was so uh, infiltrated by the demonic. There were so many that when Jesus said, what is your name? The demonic answered from the man, legion, because we are so many. Legion uh, means thousands. So is it possible there were a thousand demons uh, inhabiting this man and harassing this man? It's entirely possible because if you look at the condition of his life, it was so far outside of, of um, <laughs> yeah, I, that's not the message right now. But the guy's living amongst the tombs. Uh, he can't wear clothes. He's out of his mind. Day and night, he's cutting himself. He's screaming and crying and attacking people. Literally living, a, a live person living amongst the dead. That should tell you everything about the enemy's purpose for humanity. But Jesus' purpose is to restore. Jesus' purpose is to rebuild. Jesus' purpose is to knock down the enemy's kingdom, and to build his kingdom here on earth. So when Jesus comes in contact with this man, instantly the demonic surrenders. It doesn't battle, it surrenders because it recognizes the greater. And Jesus, when he casts out the demonic, you know the story, the into the pigs, down the hill, into the lake, and drowned. The man, though, is, is what I want you to focus on. The Bible says when the people of the city came out to see the commotion and what had happened because they, they heard the stories of, of this man being delivered and the demons into the pigs. and It's just a wild happening. They come out and they find the man 
uh, in this, he's dressed in his right or sound mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus completely, 100% restored him. Uh, this is a place and a message where uh, you can discover and you can recover the promises of God, my friend. And so just, just this thought of a sound mind, that when God has his way with us, one of the byproducts is that you have a sound mind, a mind that can't be tampered with, a mind that the enemy cannot find an infiltration point to mess with you. So the gift of a sound mind. So let me give you a contrast. In James chapter 1, uh, the apostle James, uh, in verse 6, 7, and 8, he says this, When you ask God, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. So in other words, a storm can blow and toss a person who has doubt. The person who has doubt should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded, right? Not sound-minded, double-minded. And the result of being double-minded is that you become unstable in everything you do. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. A double-minded individual having a double mind, a mind that, that can't decide and can't trust and can't believe. That is not from God. That is, that's the enemy. That is the flesh. That is, that is a place in your life. You need to settle the issue and tell the Lord, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Let what I believe, let my faith become greater than what I don't believe or what I struggle with so that my faith wins. It's the bottom line, man. You, you've, you've got to have that. A double-mindedness is not a gift from God. It's a gift from the enemy. God's gift is a sound mind. It's a, a place that's steady, a place, that, a place of righteousness, peace, and joy. That's what God's gift is to us. And you can have that mind. Don't think that you, that's beyond your grasp or you've struggled with this your whole life or, uh, Pastor, I can't do anything about this. Stop agreeing with the devil. That's double-minded. Begin to agree with God. Even if you're like, but it's not true right now. This is, speak and call those things that aren't as though they were. I have a sound mind. I am an overcomer. I have faith that cannot be shaken. That's what you're building right there. Call it out in faith. Here's the third one. Learning or choosing to ignore discouragement. There's an art in learning to ignore things, right? Like, um, you know, if you're trying to watch TV and someone's talking to you, do you know someone who's able to ignore what's being said and focus in on a program? Of, of course, if you're married, of course, you know how to do those things right there. If you have little children, uh, are you able to ignore the chaos? Here's one of the things that I know. When we were raising our five, I, it never bothered me. The chaos was just, it was not, I guess to say never bothered there were times that it bothered me, but mostly I was oblivious to it. We would go to a restaurant and when people would cringe, I would always be like, what's wrong with them? Now I cringe 
when I see it coming. Now I understand it. When you're, there's an art to learning to ignore certain things. And this is true when it comes to discouragement. So think of the word discouragement. The Bible tells us to, be, to have courage. Be strong and have good courage. Discouragement is to take away courage. So anything that comes in and steals your courage is discouragement. And what you have to learn to do is to ignore things that want to steal your faith. It's just the easiest way to say it. And I know that that sounds like an oversimplification of like how, Pastor, how can you with everything that's going on around us? So I'm sure your news has the same report as mine. Your newspaper, if you read it or how you get your news, if it's online, you probably see the same thing. That there's a section near the front of all media right now that has a count on how many people today have the virus? How many people today have died from the virus? Uh, how many people have recovered from the virus? And so we can compare yesterday, how many more? And it's discouraging, isn't it? Okay, I'm not telling you to ignore the fact that we are in a battle right now, to ignore that there is a storm raging right now. I am telling you, learn to ignore the thing that comes in and steals your faith from those things right there. Learn to be able to be aware of the battle that's going on, but focus on the victory that Jesus promises us. Does that make sense? Ignore the thing that is, is yes, it's true, and yes, it's out there, but focus on the thing that promises you victory. Uh, Mark chapter 5. This is Jesus on a remarkable uh, series of events. He, he goes... Uh, and he casts out all those demons from that man that I just mentioned. He gets back in the boat, goes across the Galilee. When he gets out of the boat, the people from where he had just come, all those people who came out to see that man put in his right mind, they all ran ahead of him around the lake so that by the time the boat got there, they're waiting for him, plus all the people in the town that he was going to are waiting for him. There are so many people that when he gets out of the boat, the Bible says in one of the Gospels, he can't even lift his arms. So many people are crushing him. That would not work in the time of social distancing and six feet from each other, would it? What would we do? Oh, Jesus wouldn't be able to do a miracle in our day and age, would he? It's crazy. All right, so just real quickly. Um, so Jesus is in this position where he can't get his arms up. He's trying to make his way uh, just from the shore. And while he's doing that, a remarkable series of events happens. A woman who has been internally bleeding for uh, more than a decade spent all of her money, the Bible says, on doctors only to grow worse, not better. She's at the point of totally, uh, it, it's her last notch on the rope that she's holding on to. And the notch is, if I can touch Jesus, this is what she says, if I can touch Jesus, I'll be made well. And the Bible puts it in present tense where she's fighting her way through the crowd. Imagine, she's sick. She's doubled over. She can't even stand up because of the internal bleeding. She fights her way through the crowd by telling herself, if I can only touch Jesus, if I can only touch Jesus. Think if she'd have said, there's just too many people. Think if she'd have said, it's just too difficult to get to him. Whatever you make bigger is the outcome of your life. Whatever you make bigger. So this woman fights her way through this crowd and all she can manage to do 
is sweep her hand and just touch the hem of his garment as he's going through the crowd. And immediately, the Bible says, power leaves Jesus' body because of her faith, right? And heals her, but Jesus detects power had left his body. So he turns around and says, who touched me? Well, everybody's touching him. So Peter tells him, uh, everybody is touching you. And Jesus ignores Peter and looks and he locks eyes with the woman. She sees him, he sees her, and they both know. And Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Go home, you're good. And right then, <laughs> in, that, in those, this moment, a, a woman uh, the, the synagogue leader is Jairus, who had come to Jesus. My daughter is sick. Can you come to my house and heal her? He, Jesus is trying to go with Jairus while the woman uh, with the issue of blood touches him while he's trying to make his way through this crowd. Imagine all the people yelling at Jesus, help me, heal me, uh, touch me. Think, just use your imagination for a moment. Uh, a servant from Jairus' house comes and says to Jesus and to Jairus, your daughter has died. So don't bother the teacher anymore. Can you imagine the discouragement? Jairus, in a moment of time, has found Jesus, and Jesus has agreed to go with him to touch his daughter. He's full of hope. He's full of belief. And then the report comes, your daughter has died. Can you imagine courage and discouragement? Two opposing views. And Jesus literally... Um, it says this in the amplified, the classic amplified version of the Bible. Look at the words right here, Mark 5, 36. Overhearing, but ignoring. I'm going to say it to you one more time. Overhearing, but ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear, only keep believing. So Jesus himself demonstrated that when the things come that are discouraging, you can be aware of them, but you've got to learn the art of ignoring that thing in order to focus on the thing that God said. Don't give in to the fear. Don't give in to the panic. Don't give in to the future, the media, the enemy, or people who don't know who our God is writing for you. Give yourself to God. Ignore those things. I'm not telling you to, to be unaware and ignorant. I'm telling you learn to elevate God's truth higher than the world's truth. And in the meantime, yes, we practice social distancing. We wash. I have learned to wash my hands singing happy birthday twice to myself. I, I, come on. How weird is that? But I practice it because I'm being asked to do it and because I believe I can help slow the curve of this thing and keep myself healthy. I'm not telling you to ignore by not doing what's being asked of us, but ignore the thing that wants to steal your faith. Ignore a future without hope. Ignore things that are being said that take away the truth of our God saying, fear not. In this world, you'll have storms, but fear not. I've overcome the storms. Ignoring and keep believing. So maybe this is how I'll close the message. Um, 
JJ, you might wanna get ready. I'll turn it over to you in just a second. The great need that we have for encouragement today. Do not underestimate the old-fashioned value of encouragement. I have people in my life who bring me encouragement, and that encouragement allows me to walk right on through all the other stuff that's happening. Uh, Chris, my wife, is such an encouragement to me. My children are such encouragement. They send me little, uh, almost daily, little uh, texts and messages praying for you, thinking about you. You're a good leader. Thank you for what you do for us. Oh, I'm so grateful for, for my children and for their spouses. Uh, my pastor's on my staff. Terry is a huge encourager. Barnabas in the Bible was called the son of encouragement. Uh, the reason for Paul's ability at one point in his life to keep going forward despite the persecution was the encouragement of Barnabas in his life. And do you realize that right now, what we're doing, we are finding out that there's a spirit of encouragement upon what we're doing right now through the daily devotions and through the messages and through all of the outreach that we're doing, the online groups that we're doing. The, we're even playing a, a trivial pursuit and uh, uh, different, different things just for fun to keep us connected and encourage us. And so I want to, here's the part you can play. People are at, what can we do, pastor? How can we help? Here it is. You wanna know? Here's how you can help. Sign up through the app so that you get the daily devotional and respond so that other people are encouraged with what you're writing. Become a, a, a partner with us in helping us to spread this good news, not bad news, good news to other people. Tell them about it. When you're giving to your church, you're helping us to multiply this word out. If it works for you, of course, then it'll work for other people. If it encourages you, help us be an encouragement. Help us to be a light in the darkness. Let us come out of this time stronger than even how we went into it. So that when you participate financially, when you participate with your prayers, when you participate with your connection, you help the kingdom of God move forward. Man, connect the dots. It's not enough to just sit there and absorb the message. Participate in it in the ways that I just said. Become a part of it as never before. But get the daily devotional because it will be encouragement to you. Spread this message. Send it to, there's a send button. There's an invitation button. Uh, send it to people. Look, even if people criticize it, so what? More are for us than against us. Let's move it forward. Let's do this together. Let's hold on to each other right now. You are loved. And you are special. And you matter to God first, but you matter to us. We love you. We love you. We're praying for you right now. I speak encouragement over your life. I ask that God would hold you up, that righteousness, peace, and joy would be yours in the Holy Spirit. Encouragement to you today. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Thanks for listening. Uh, Pastor JJ is going to close out our time together.